0: my journey with cancer I'm not a cancer sufferer I'm a human being with cancer and if you listen to my journey it might give you hope in yours Pops, yeah we'd love to come on the journey with you Amen It's cold and dark at 5am. The alarm is insisting I rise and take my medication before grabbing an extra hour or so of sleep. Today is my big day. Well, I'm hoping it is. It's the day I go to our regional cancer centre at Western Park Hospital in Sheffield. It's 25 miles away and it's a nightmare to get to and an even worse nightmare to park at. My appointment is at 9am sharp which means my eldest daughter Wendy will pick me up at 715 Wendy has taken time out from work to take me. I realise how blessed I am. I have two wonderful girls who are loving and supportive of Chris and I. They're there for us no matter what. It's only when I talk to others later in my treatment that I realise how blessed I really am. Many people have a far more difficult and fractured relationship with their families. Some have no one to call on, even when they only live round the corner from a son or daughter, who can help but don't. I sit quietly as Wendy weaves her magic through the rush hour traffic and we arrive to find only three cars waiting to get in and park. We park up and head into the hospital, pushing on through main reception and down to the lower ground reception, which is basically radiotherapy and chemotherapy. We check in and wait as the place slowly fills with men and women, many of whom begin steadily drinking little cups of water or juice. They're getting ready for their treatments. A year ago, that was me beginning my 37 days of irradiation of my prostate gland, just under the bladder. The fluid fills the bladder and makes it easier to deliver treatment without damaging side effects. This time round, I'm just waiting for what is known as my planning day, and, because of where my tumour is, I won't need to play this particular drinking game, thankfully. Wendy takes her leave and heads off to explore the delights of Sheffield, namely the Starbucks down the road heading towards the university, and then on to the delights of Western Park itself. It's not long before Chris and I are called through for phase one of my planning day. First post of call is what is called the Mould Room, just a small room with a funny-looking table in it. This is a replica of the more advanced table I lie on to have my radiotherapy treatments. The process is explained in detail, so no surprises along the way. And I do like that. At every stage I'm consulted, I'm informed, I'm put at ease, and only when I'm happy do we proceed. So, we're here to have a face mask made. No, not a funny one, I've already got one of those, but one that will hold my head firmly in place to ensure my treatment is delivered as accurately as possible. The whole process, including consent and information, is completed in 10 minutes, with the actual moulding of the mask being around 3 minutes. I can remember the days when I nursed, and to produce a mask for a patient to have radiotherapy would have been a 5 hour slog, with literally drinking straws taped up the nose as plaster of Paris was slathered all over the head. But it's much more refined now, and much less terrifying. So, I clamber onto this table and lie there with various pads and supports, helping to make me as comfortable as possible. The mask is made from a sheet of plastic held in a U-shaped frame. It's a kind of perforated plastic like a mesh. It's steadily heated in a water bath until it is malleable enough to mould to my face. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not uncomfortable. The bath is only 65 degrees. It's a comfortable warmth, really. Once the plastic has reached temperature, it's all very quick. The technicians pull it out of the water and hold it over my head. Quickly, they press it down and warm plastic, it's a little bit like a wet flannel, engulfs my face. All the time they encourage me to hold my head still. But very quickly, the technicians mould the warm plastic to my face, pinching in at my nose, moulding round my eyes, putting little folds around the edges to give it strength. And as they work, three powerful fans blow cool air across my face, cooling and hardening the mesh. Now, here's the thing. Since being hospitalised in my early 20s, when I had an uncontrollable post-operative temperature, I've had an extreme aversion to fans blowing across my skin. Two days of being soaked in iced water under similar fans had a profound effect, I can tell you. Inevitably, and out of necessity, I grit my teeth, and in a mercifully short while, it's all over. How was that? the technician asks. <laughs> well, I remember saying, well, not too bad. But what came out was more like mumba, mumba, mumba The mask, of course, was so close-fitting, both my lips and my eyes remained firmly closed. So over the next few weeks, my thumbs-up or thumbs-down sign became my most useful gesture of communication. Mask made, we're now led down to the far end of the radiology department to once again take our turn in the waiting game. All the treatment and consulting rooms are arranged down the size of this surprisingly big vaulted room. Not only long, but comfortably wide, and it is the central hub of the department. The arching ceiling above reminds me we are in fact underground, which makes it better to prevent straying electrons, I suspect. It doesn't feel like a rushed or hurried place, this. Yet there is a constant stream of patients in and out, and many are in a sense self-guiding as they get into the routine of treatments. There is, of course, inevitable frustration caused by long waits between bursts of activity, but the staff, as ever, are marvellous. Sadly, good as they are, they can't magic money and resources into a neglected system. Eventually, we hear the call. John Daniels, please, and we make our way into the consulting room. This could be my time of reckoning, or it could simply be a time of discovery. The radio oncologist is a fairly direct sort of character, no messing about with him. He's also very, very busy and stressed, so it's straight down to business. He tells me I have a tiny two millimetre tumour at the base of my skull, smaller than a grain of uncooked rice. This is very hard to see because of where it is, and it is pressing onto what could be thought of as the roots of all the nerves that control the sensation and the pain on the left-hand side of my head. But it is also pressing on the nerves that control the muscles on the left-hand side of my head. And finally, it is affecting what's called the 12th cranial nerve. They call that the hypoglossal nerve. I wanted to say that word today because up to about two weeks ago, Since July, I haven't been able to pronounce that word. That controls the left side of my tongue and part of my esophagus and windpipe and my voice box, and that is why my voice has been so croaky. This perfect storm of pressure caused by this tiny little thing produced neuralgia-like pain, the symptoms of Bell's palsy and that partial paralysis of my tongue, esophagus and voice box. (sighs) As you can probably guess, I was pretty poorly by now. I can't eat much because of the throat. Most things get stuck and I'm unaware of it, and uh, it can cause a lot of distress at mealtimes. I also have constant pain across my left chest area and under my left arm, pretty much as I described when I had chemotherapy a year ago, almost to the day it started. No amount of pain relief has or indeed will take that pain away. I have growing weakness in my right knee with bouts of excruciating pain. I look a mess. I feel a mess. And Chris tells me, I am very, very grey. To be honest, I am scared. Now, as a Christian, I know you'll struggle with that. You'll say, well, why should you be scared of going to heaven? I'm not. I'm scared of the mess I leave behind. And I'm scared of the mess of going. That's all. I know to meet the Lord Jesus will be the greatest thing on earth, or in heaven, but the truth is, he has put something inside me that isn't ready to go yet. So, no theology here. I could get into it, but I don't want to. I just want to tell you about that day, about how it goes, not all the spiritual stuff that comes with it. This is the day I'm experiencing, not the day I'm feeling. We'll get to that other stuff another day, maybe.
1: I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me of weary ways or golden days before his face I see but I know whom I believe believed. He's able now to say What I've committed unto him Until that final day
0: I'm told that radiotherapy is the recommended treatment, and quickly. The oncologist's words are shocking. It's the first time it's been said. The other things he says, the chest, the leg, everything else, they do not matter the tumour in your head, that will kill you. Chris blinks at me. I blink back, equally as shocked. Two little owls facing each other in the cold light of day for the first time. He scribbles away on forms and notes and eventually presents me with the all-important consent form. Side effects are listed, as are all the possible problems. Post-treatment and loads and loads of other blah de blah de blah blah doesn't matter. I'm signing that piece of paper no matter what. Paper signed. We're back out playing the waiting game in the long corridor. We've moved on a little from where we were and we need to formulate a plan. I'm clutching a newly written prescription for steroids to mitigate some of the side effects of radiation. We know from experience that's a 20 to 30 minute wait in pharmacy once you've got there. To save time, Chris heads off with the prescription as I join the next waiting line for my actual planning scan. This is to be a CT scan, so nothing to worry about there, but it will be used along with the mask for the first time to precisely determine the location of my tumour and to map the targeting of the radio waves to destroy it. For the first time, I'm locked onto a table by my newly made mask. Five clips hold me in place so firmly I can't move my head. Scan taken, the radiographers reappear and put tapes on the mask and marks of various colours and codes and numbers and letters. All this ensures that each day I am positioned in exactly the right place. It's been explained that they will avoid treating around my eyes or I could go blind, but they will target a band around the back of my skull to catch anything that may be too small to see yet. After my planning scan, I'm met by a young lady who invites me into a side room. She wants to talk about pain relief. Yikes, I think. That's not good. I, like many of my contemporaries, and I'm 64, am not happy taking drugs. Paracetamol is suspect to me, but morphine and stuff like that? Wow. I think many of my age, and, and having come through times in Britain's history where drug use has caused a lot of damage, We look upon it all with suspicion, even medical use of drugs, and we know in America they have an epidemic of the mis-selling of medical drugs. I carry a few scars from drug use in my early years too, both mental and some physical. I'm still terrified of becoming addicted to morphine and other painkillers. A long chat later, I agreed to dose myself up to the required amount. I'm still uneasy. I still want to have ammunition in the box when the fight gets harder. I don't want to become either dependent or resistant to anything too early. It's a long road. My final appointment of the day is a visit to x-ray. The oncologist has ordered up x-rays of my right knee. It will save time, and if anything is found, it can be addressed at my next clinic appointment. That done, I make my way to the lower ground floor reception where, thankfully, I find both Christine and Wendy waiting patiently for me. At last, we turn our thoughts to home, a cup of Yorkshire tea and sandwiches. As we retrace our route home, I'm more apprehensive than I'd like to admit. Treatment starts the next day. I'm tired but grateful for all I have, and I do honestly give my thanks to God for the NHS. Long may she reign. Darling Wendy travels the additional 13 miles beyond Doncaster to her job, and starts payback. I know. I am so blessed.
1: Yes, I know whom I've believed He's able now to say What I've committed unto him Until that final day
0: You've been listening to my journey through cancer, so I'd like to invite you to join me next week at the same place on the dial, at the same time, and walk a while with me.
1: Jesus, this means everything to me. In you I have my true identity. Jesus, this means everything to me. In you I have my true